0: Heyo, welcome everyone to episode 93 of Today in the Scene. I'm Joe with Indie Arcade Wave, and I just want to say thank you for checking us out. If you like what we're doing here at Indie Arcade Wave, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. It helps us a ton. We'll bring more people into the wave, and we'll just keep riding it. So this week, we're going to dive into an arcade in Miami. I've already been talking to Rick for like 10 minutes now. He's just like blowing my mind with all the stuff that he has in his arcade. So he he runs Arcade Odyssey down in Miami, Florida. And I guess without further ado, let's just introduce Rick. How are you doing, Rick?
1: Pretty good. How are you doing?
0: <laughs> I'm fantastic, and I'm super excited to talk to you. Um, came highly recommended from Neil, who I spoke to a couple weeks ago. He just said you had some crazy stuff down there, and he loves stopping down there to see what you got. So let's, let's start looking. I guess just introduce yourself, Rick. Let us know a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Well, my name is Rick Medina, and I'm the owner of Arcade Odyssey. I own it with my wife, uh, Stacy, and uh, we have owned it for 10 years now. And uh, this is our 10th year. Um, Actually, in December, it'll be our 10th year, December 27th. And uh, we've been around for a pretty long time. Uh, We're over 5,000 square feet. We have about a 100 and I think over 170 plus machines in the arcade. And uh, I have about another 150 or so machines outside the arcade. And I have close to... Think about nine hundred and eighty-seven motherboards uh, and cartridges and all sorts of other crap uh, for arcades. I've been collecting for over thirty-five years, so you know, long, pretty long time.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're set. You got all that stuff. There's a bunch of stuff behind you in the arcade. Um, well, this got... is not the arcade. Right, right. Just this is the. Yeah, the if path. we were
1: in the arcade, you wouldn't hear me right now. <laughs> You have almost 200 machines blaring at you. You're not going to hear shit.
0: (laughs) Well, let's, uh, you, you kind of mentioned how it all started. Take us through like the early stages of getting the arcade going. Like, did you already have a collection that you opened an arcade with, or did you start collecting to start the arcade?
1: Well, no, I've been collecting for forever. Actually, I had about 40 machines in my home. Um, and, uh, I, uh, I just, uh, the way it started was actually in 1990, I think it was 1990. Um, I used to have, because I have several other companies, and among one of them, I had a company called Southern Data Systems, and that was like an IT consulting company, and I had two other partners, and every year we would give each other a Christmas bonus, but you couldn't spend the money on yourself. You had to spend it on your partner's. Okay, so that was the deal. And um, one day I was trying to find out what to buy, a very close and dear friend of mine, uh, Ernie. Uh, and uh, I was trying to figure out what to get. Him. And I was driving around, and I see this warehouse with some arcade machines. And I go, oh, my God, that'd be really freaking awesome. So I found out what was his favorite arcade machine, which was RoboCop. And I went and I found that machine, and I got it for him. And then after I gave it to him, I was like, damn, I want one of those. (laughs) So I started, I bought one for myself. And my first one was a Street Fighter uh, II Championship Edition. It was was a uh, hacked or modded cab. You know, basically the the ROMs were modded to hell. I think it was uh, uh, what they call a Core U Edition where you could do like 10,000 fireballs or something like that. It was a really cool version of it. And, uh, when we started with that, um, a few months after that, we were really hooked. And, uh, when Mortal Kombat two was released within like a couple of weeks after being released, uh, both Ernie and I went out and got a Mortal Kombat two motherboard for our arcade machines. And after that, we just kept collecting and buying and buying and buying. And I had about 40 machines in my house by the time, uh, 1993 came around and I kept buying motherboards and motherboards and motherboards. And eventually 1995 came and I had my first kid, my uh, son and my wife said, uh, honey, we have no room to put a bassinet. <laughs> every, every bedroom in the house has arcade machines. And I was like, gee, that is a problem. So we had I had to move out uh, all the arcade, and I uh, I got an office, and uh, I started putting all the arcade machines in the office for my uh, clients. So my clients would come over to uh, talk to me or to order machines or whatever. that would play arcade games, and uh, it just kept going and going and going and until finally in uh, 2011, uh, Arcade Odyssey. Uh, I had uh, I had somebody else come to me saying, Oh, we really should open up an arcade. And at first I thought that's not a great idea (laughs) because there was no arcades anywhere. They were disappearing. They were completely gone from the South Florida region. Um, you know, unless you count Dave and Busters or whatever, but that's not really an arcade. Um, it's more what they call a family entertainment center and, you know, mostly what we call a kitty casino. And, uh, After that, we started it, and four months in, um, he was my partner. He got out of it because it was was a lot of work. And uh, not only was it a lot of work, but it was a lot of investment too because um, every month we had to keep putting in whenever there was losses. So we kept it going, and uh, eventually, you know, uh, retro stuff came back, and we kept growing, and we've expanded several times
0: yeah, I love to hear that it's it's really cool that you've been collecting that whole time and you've seen all these games like when they first originally came out, you still got them. still love them. Um, yep. I, I know we when we first spoke on the phone, we had this conversation about coin versus pay to like pay to get in. Where's your stance on that? and why did you guys decide to stay with tokens?
1: Well, at least for now. We have decided to stay with tokens, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, you know, like I said, uh, you know, you can go to a lot of places, and for some places, um, you know, they pay, people pay at the door. They pay $15, $20. They get in. But I noticed that every – because I, I visit arcades all around the world, and I do mean all around the world, anywhere I go, anywhere I travel, um, whether it's Hawaii, Japan, um, you know, anywhere I – anywhere. I always seek out and look for arcades, uh, which is really fun because I have so many of them you would think, geez, what the hell am I going to, you know, it's like being a, uh, you know, a chef and uh, uh, that's not a good analogy because a chef would still want to try other food, <laughs> you know, but, you know, it's like a, a I guess a, a baseball card collector and going to constant things that when you have the entire deck. Um, but I just uh I love it. I still feel the same way when I was very young. Uh, my mom would give me like a dollar or two uh, for me and my little brother to go play, and we would go and we would play till the last quarter and believe me, on that last quarter, you would think that we were fighting for our lives to to you know play this game, even if we were playing poorly. But the thing is when you go into these arcades where you just pay at the door. I've walked in and I've seen a lot of people, and they usually walk away mid game. And I've walked up to many of them and I say, Excuse me, I got to ask, why are you walking away in the middle of a game? Me go, Ah, I wasn't playing that well. You know, it's not that, you know, it's not a guy, it's, you know, big deal. I'll, I'll, I'll be back to it. But they never do come back, uh, you know, to play the game. They usually just walk away because they didn't, they, they weren't vested in it. And, um, you know, that reminds me of, like I said, when I was younger, that last quarter, you know, meant a lot. And we would play like, you know, our, our, our very lives depended on it. So to this day, uh, whenever I give people tokens, rarely, you know, when they buy tokens or uh, if I go into any arcades where they used to use quarters, I would I would never see the people just walk away mid game. They never would. You know, because if you don't pay for it or you're not vested into the game, then, you know, what do you got to lose? You're not really losing anything. You just walk away in mid game. Ah, they think of it like an Xbox or something. Ah, I'll just restart it. You know, things don't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. You don't get a restart. So I wanted uh, I wanted the same. I wanted to give that same experience to people. So when they come believe me when they're playing with that token you can see even if they're playing crappy they'll keep playing it all the way to the end they do not walk away
0: yeah I think that's a really good point I mean you're invested at that point you had that quarter that token and you put it in the machine saying I'm playing until I die and that's that um,
1: that's right actually I, they don't even say that they, they don't even think, think that. that it just right. they they're just, just play it's just the way it happens. You know, if you pay for something, you're going to want to get the most out of it. But if you walk into into something where you're not paying or you paid and, you know, you're just walking around the second that they walk through that door, it almost looks like eh, they're just looking around. Most of the time I would walk into some of these arcades and I just see people walking around. They weren't even playing, you know, and that doesn't happen here. You know, in fact I've seen people say, Oh, we got tokens left. Good. So when we come back, and believe me, they'll come back. You know.
0: So I guess the next thing that I want to know is I, I kind of browse well, through the games that you guys have on the floor and you have a lot of games. So what games do you have on the floor and what games do you have back in the warehouse there? You you want
1: me you to go me? through all twelve hundred?
0: No, not all 1200. Just go through like some of the ones that stand out to you. Yeah, you
1: want me to go ones. through all 1200?
0: If you want, you know what? We got time. <laughs>
1: um, well, geez. Uh, we've got uh, Irritating Maze, which is a great and wonderful game, AKB 48. Uh, Robotron 2084. Actually, that's in a Williams multi cab. We've got uh, Hubert. We've got Double Dragon. We've got. About 20-something pinball machines, including Hyperball, which is a wonderful machine. Not really a pinball, but a great machine nonetheless. Uh, We've got stuff like Panic Park. Um, We have Police 911. Crisis Zone. uh, Time Crisis 2, 3, 4. Um, We've got uh, Silent Scope, uh, the last version, which was 4, which was Bone Eater. Ah, uh, which uses uh, projection screens and stuff to create almost a holographic-like effect. Um, God, there's uh, we've got uh, Pang u 235, H2 Overdrive, Cruising, uh, Cruising Cruisin Exotica, uh, Guitar Hero. Um, we've got tons of Japanese fighters, including Mortal Kombat 4. Um, what other ones? Um, we got Mortal Kombat 2. Um we had Killer Instinct one and two. In fact, Killer Instinct is back here in the corner. A lot of people keep bitching at me that back, but it didn't get as much play as I expected. So I um let me see. We've got um uh, oh my god, we got so many fighters. Uh we got at least 19 to 20 fighters. We also got House of the Dead, House of the Dead. Two. House of the Dead 3, House of the Dead 4, House of the Dead EX. We've got Initial D8. Um, We've got uh, Punch Mania. Um, We've got uh, Big Buck Hunter. We've got Timber. We've got Tapper. Um, And by the way, this is all just coming off the top of my head. We've got Dance Rush. We've got Nostalgia. We've got Sound Voltex. Uh, We've got My My. We've got... uh, Oh, God. Um, Jubeat. We've got uh, Tekken Tag uh, Tournament Edition 2. We've got Crazy Climber. Um, we've got Galaga Galaxian, Pac Man, Miss Pac Man. Um, you know, uh, God, I'm sure I could pull up more, but that's just right off the top of my head.
0: I mean, that's that right there is a crazy selection, it's very broad. Compared to a lot of arcades. And you were showing me some crazy ones in the back here. Go back through like the three or four that you got back there that I was just like blown away by.
1: Well, here's some. I'll just go through a, a few uh, really rare and unique ones. This, this one was in the arcade. This is Loop in the Shooting, and it's great. It's like a House of the Dead 2, but with looping. I don't know if you've ever seen the anime.
0: That's one I, I missed, no.
1: Oh, my God. How could you have missed Lupin the Third? I've watched a lot but, of anime
0: recently, but that one I haven't seen.
1: Oh, uh, you call yourself an anime lover. How could you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is a wonderful game. This is basically like House of the Dead, but with Lupin the Third. And it is called, the game was called Lupin the Shooting. Wonderful game. Uh, it was in the arcade. We just took it out not too long ago. Uh, this one is Subrock 3D. It was the world's first 3D video game. You will get inside and it will use spinning disks to create two, uh, you know, uh, dissimilar uh, uh, images of the screen, one for each eye, and the screen actually had two images. So it would create a very good 3D effect. This one was a great game. I remember it when I was a kid, and I just finished restoring that. For here is Super Sprint. Three-player Atari uh, Super Sprint. Wonderful game. Uh, over here is Super Pack. Over here is a game that a lot of people didn't play, and I really, really like it. It's called War, uh, Final Assault. And you can link up to four of these cabinets. And I don't know if you remember a game like Doom or Quake or stuff like that?
0: hmm Yep.
1: Well, this allows you to play a four-player death match with four of these cabinets all linked together. So you can basically have like a doom shootout or quake shootout against each other. Um, I'm working on that. I should have that up and running soon. Uh, Ultimate Artist Thunder. That was in the arcade till just a few months ago. And we just took it out. Arrow fires. Uh, an original Sega pod racer, the giant one. And uh, when I first got this cabinet, they had stolen the handlebars. So, I had them recreated out of aluminum. You see that? Yeah. It's actually better than the original. Um, over here you got Revolution X, Star Wars Trilogy, Silent Scope X, Crawl is back there. I don't know if you even remember what that is. That was an oldie. Um over here, Starblade. Starblade, very, very unique game. Um, they used to have, uh, in Disney quest and a bunch of other places, including in Walt Disney, uh, they used to have a thing called the Galaxian theater where you would have up to six players all playing across two giant screens using, uh, three projectors. And, uh, actually it was actually, sorry, it was two projectors, two projectors across uh, two giant screens. And it was amazing. Well, the problem is it was such a big system that a lot of our kids couldn't do it. So, um, you know, um, they turned around and Namco came out with the single player version of the same game. And, uh, this was the predecessor of Star Fox. Okay. The graphics and stuff that you see in Star Fox were very similar to this. This was of course a precursor to it. Um you know and the cool thing about this game let me see if i can show it to you by the way this was 1991 yeah you can't really uh, let me let me turn on the let me see if i can turn on the game for you hold on okay so you're actually right where my face is so this is what you would see okay now you would put your feet here because the whole seat vibrates and then when you press start for Operation Starfleet. Calling Starfighter Geosaur, calling Geosaur, Co- Geosaword. The enemy mechanized planet Red Eye just reached the Federation of Planets. It's approaching our mother planet. Our strategy is to neutralize Red Eye and defeat the menace to our mother planet. He has a power source generator, and he went by. Energy conducts it on the power stone, which is inside the Good luck, So, this is your movement, this is your joystick. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, this is
0: 1991. It looks pretty good.
1: This, like I said, it was the predecessor to Star Fox. A lot of the graphics that you're looking at here probably look somewhat familiar. Towards red eyes. And then if you get hit, the seat vibrates. And uh, th- this also, as you shoot things, you see how as you oh, kill thanks. people, the light lights up red. So that gives you a precursor to Starblade. Truly an amazing game. You saw how I got hit and the strobe lights turned on? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Here, I'll get hit again so you can see it. You see that? And the whole seat that I'm sitting in is shaking. (laughs) I'm sure the phone you're seeing it vibrate as I hit. Yeah. (laughs) So, anyway, that's Starblade for you. Um, Over here, I'm working on uh, G-Lock, this monster. It's huge. And I'm working on restoring... uh, Actually, I was supposed to be working on the monitor when you called, so I'm going to be restoring that. And in the back there, you've got Speed Racer, a Star Rider, which is the last Laserdisc game ever made, you know, and of course there's asteroids and so on. Over here was a game that I was just talking to uh, you about, which is Cool Gunman. Okay, this is uh, this is a really unique game, and uh, it was from 1998. And when we received it, it came just devastated. Um, over here you can see the actual pieces of the game that came in. It was just demolished. The pieces were cracked, split. We went ahead and we recreated all the wood and then the artwork was redone, completely re-vectorized. Um, the artwork on the sides were revectorized. vectorized The guns were fixed. Um, the cactuses were redrawn. Everything was in Japanese so we had to convert it all to English. Um, even the soup cans uh, or the cans that were used had graphics and we had to reproduce those. In fact, over here you can see a ton of spare labels that we have for the cans. And uh, let me get the plug so you can see it. Okay, so this is just like air hockey, except instead of using a puck and a slammer, you use guns, so you have this gun, you aim at the little circle and you shoot it and you have to get it into their goal. Okay, you see, I just scored there. Now it'll eject it. And you're basically playing two players. So they would be shooting the can also to try to get it into my my hole. And there we go. I scored again. Score shows the thing to show that the West scored. That's how it functions. And that's how it works. Now, this game, when we got it, it was a nightmare. We had to take apart the entire play field. If you notice, there's little glass balls or whatever bubbles on the top where there's sensors underneath. And you'll see that some of them are shinier than others. We actually had to reproduce the original plastic, which was, there was like 15 of them missing. So we had to reproduce the actual covers For those sensors one at a time out of pure glass. Then after that, we even reproduced the circles because in the instructions, it says to aim for the red circles, but over 20 of these didn't have the red circle. So we had to reprint these in 3M and and went ahead and applied them throughout the entire field. So basically the whole thing has been restored to pretty much the way it was in 1998. Um, but you know, and of course the guns were redone and so on. So you got you got the whole uh, the whole thing there. And over here is another game that we were uh, I was showing them. Uh, this game is pretty much from the same time period, and this one is called Galaxy Force Two. And the unique thing about this game is that the whole entire system rotates, tilts, twists. This is what the game looks like in the dark. You see those flashing strobes? Yep. So so the game has four flashing strobes along the bottom. It has all these lights along the sides to show where you get in and where you get up. Um, And it has this entire um, metal structure, you know, almost like a roll cage that you use to get in and out of. I'm going to start the game and then... Basically, you guys are gonna get a bird's eye view from where I'm basically right where my eyes are. So you have this joystick here where you have the the trigger which shoots and uh, the thumb button, which is your missiles. You also have this, which is your throttle. And then when you press the start button now look, I just I just rotated up. Now, if you look, you can see out the cock on the side of the cockpits. You can see how, as I turn, the whole thing is rotating. Almost looks like something in Falcon. Ah. Uh, I wasn't paying attention. I'm just hitting these rocks. (laughs) You can see I'm doing a full 360 rotation here. And then you'll see how, as I'm about to go in there, you're gonna see that I should start rotating back to the to the other side. you see how it's spinning around, mm-hmm. And then you gotta go through the uh, through, I guess, the Death Star or whatever you call that thing, the the star base. Now you. Grab this, you can get it out. That's Galaxy Force 2 for you. Um, there's a bunch of other games that I'm, of course, working on that I'm starting to restore, such as this one, which is Frenzy Express, where you basically use a scooter. Uh, and it was a really unique game, rather somewhat rare, and I'm working on restoring it now. Of course, we have Battle Zone. And uh, over the top, I mean, there's so many. There's, of course, I'm not even counting the second story, which
0: you can see there. All the driving games you have up there.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, we've got a bunch more initial D's, Rush the Rock, um, H, uh, Hydro Thunders, um, you know, Ninja Assault, um, more shooting games, just. Tons of stuff. Well, there's a friction back there, but um, you know, that's a little tour of one of our warehouses. We got a couple of these.
0: Well, if that's just one of them, that's nuts. Because there's some crazy games in there. Some stuff that I would love to try and love to play.
1: Actually, this isn't. This isn't. Uh, the, uh, the other one has actually the world's first arcade machine in it computer space my other warehouse <laughs> and the that's world's cool second arcade machine which is punk yeah yeah we have both of them. <laughs> you know and uh like i said have been collecting for a very 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 long time uh,
0: well well now we know you have anyway a, a that's crazy... a little core
1: of one of our places
0: yeah i mean now we know you have a crazy collection Let's hear about some of the craziest things that have happened in the arcade since you've opened it. It's been 10 years. You've got to have a couple. (laughs) How did this even happen? Kind of stories. So just give us a couple of them.
1: Oh, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, if you follow our Facebook or our TikTok or Instagram, I'm sure you've seen some of those. Um, We've had a perfect example is we had a couple that came in, got drunk, decided to steal a poster. And uh, then you can actually see her moving the cameras and stuff and we have this recorded this came out on our tiktok and then they were so excited that they stole a 20 dollar reprint of a poster that they decided to try to have sex inside of one of the video games and of course we had cameras in the game so it shows her you know going down on the gun. <laughs>
0: that's uh that's a wild one i i don't know why anybody would would want to do that in the arcade but you know oh that's
1: not that's not that's that's nothing. We had another one where these two uh, girls came in. And uh, they were getting rather frisky with each other. And just went to the girls' bathroom. And they decided to try to have sex on top of an ADA sink, which is only held onto the wall with two screws. So I ended up tearing apart the entire wall. And water started spraying everywhere. And the girls were like, whoopsie And then started walking out and left the whole place with water spraying. The wall was, I mean, just a total disaster. That was another one that happened. Um, We've had, oh man, there's so many. (laughs) Um, We had a, a, you know, some of these, I don't even think I can say on the radio. (laughs) You know, we've had some pretty wild stuff, you know, but it's Miami. It's a pretty wild place.
0: Got to expect it from Miami. I guess the last question I had for you is, what do you think of all these indie games that are coming out? I mean, you got like Killer Queen, Galactic Battleground, Death Ball, Switch and Shoot. Um, there's a bunch that I didn't mention there. But what do you think about all these new games that are being made by independent developers?
1: I, I think it's wonderful that there's so many people doing games and building games and stuff. But one of the things that I, I got to tell you, and this is something I, I, re- I really strongly believe in, um a, you know I see a lot of games coming out nowadays and believe me I I'm also the head curator of the National Video Game History Museum we have over 589 console systems probably I don't know how many thousands of games uh for consoles and stuff like that and we've been collecting on that since early 1990s I think also and uh, um you know, one of the biggest problems, I, because I have seen so many games, so, so many games, but one of the biggest thing, problems that I notice is a lot of people are coming out today, and they'll say, hey, I built this great retro game, and I go, great, let me see it, and, and then they'll show it to me, and it's like, okay, so this button fires this. This left thumb stick is an analog control for you to look this way. This right thing does this. These four buttons select between different weapons. This button over here, and I go, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, is this a retro game, or is this, you know, should I be using a keyboard? You know, I mean, to me, that's not, you know, I come from a time in the, in the 70s and 80s when the graphics sucked. The graphics were horrendous. You had to use your imagination in order for you to even pretend that you were shooting at something that was even slightly resembling an alien. But it didn't matter. The game was a lot of fun. The games were so successful that 30, 40 years later, people are still playing these games. And the graphics were horrible. But it didn't matter. The games were fun. And they were simple. And that's something that I think that a lot of developers have lost touch with. You know, they, they've forgotten, you know, to make, you know, some, and, and a lot of people will say, oh, you know, uh, Rick, you know, people don't do games like that anymore. And I go, well, that's a load of crap. Uh, another perfect example, Flappy Bird. Flappy Bird is a newer game. Graphics are horrible, but how many controls are there? One button. One, one thing, okay? And how successful was that game? Just it ridiculous. got ported to just about everything. Everybody was playing this game. But, no, you know, the developers don't think about that. The developers think, hey, uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, – I don't know what I pressed that. Okay. The developers just think we're going to go ahead and put these fancy graphics, incredible sound effects, augmented reality, the ability to communicate with you. That's all great. But, it, you know, making a game prettier doesn't necessarily make it any funner. Okay, you want a game that is gonna be simple to play yet hard to master. If you the way I see it is if you walk up to a game and you can't pick it up in the first 30 seconds, then it's you know, to me it's not it's not something that I'm even gonna want to play too much. I wanna play something that I walk up to the game, immediately learn it, catch it, don't have to read through a four 42-page manual describing how to, uh, you know, go this way, do that, or, you know, how to select from the four- Oh, and let's not forget the $72,000 you got to spend on DLC content so you can make every little costume and download every possible thing, including the left-ass cheek freckle version of this person, you know, give me a break, you know, uh, no, you know, when we used to get games, you would get the game and you had the entire game. There was nothing more to it. You would master the game and that was it. And those would create the greatest memories. Nowadays, you don't even own the game. You just basically download a a, a thing and then you have to spend 10 times the cost of the game to download the different versions of the content so that you can play the game. And, you know, that to me, it's not the way that uh, that I remember games. And it's a totally different thing. I guess call me old-fashioned. But, uh, you know, there was a certain magic to having the cartridge in your hand, plugging in, even blowing on it if you had to, uh, you know. And these these created the best memories for all these people that have played throughout all these years. Even nowadays when they play it, they'll remember it, and they'll never forget – A lot of like uh, Mario Brothers or Smash Brothers or any of these things. They were super simple to play, uh, easy to pick up, and they were wonderful games. And you didn't have to, you know, go through a 42-page manual or spend another $200 in DLC content. You know, so that's just my take on it. So a lot of these indie developers are going ahead and releasing games. I've played a lot of them. Some of them I wasn't too impressed with some of them were so difficult and they were based on things on games that I loved. And I would play these games and I'm like, I see where they were going with this, but they tried to tweak it and they just made it so complicated or they um, made it so difficult that you couldn't even tell where your player was. And to me, that's like I said, I guess you'd call me old fashioned, but I know what's fun. And uh, I like games to be done a certain way. And, a lot of the, the stuff that I've seen coming out just doesn't meet my criteria for what I would consider the longevity, uh, uh, you know, or a game that is going to be memorable 10, 20, 30 years down the line.
0: Awesome. I love that take on it. And I agree. All the DLC is really unnecessary. And it just if, if you have to download more for the game, what's the point? I mean, it's just not that much fun. But that's really everything I had for you, Rick. So I really appreciate you coming on here. I'm going to put all the links to your social medias down in the description so that people can check you out. Follow Arcade Odyssey as it keeps going. And if you're still watching, if you like what we're doing here at Indie Arcade Wave, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. It helps us a ton. We'll keep riding the wave with you. Keep bringing more interviews. And until next time, peace.